What does a graduating fourth-year medical student have to say about their time at the University of Utah School of Medicine? What are interpersonal skills and why are they important? And what pearls of wisdom should be passed on to incoming students? And finally, what draws one to the University of Washington for a residency program? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Liz, a new graduate of the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right, got another great guest. She came back, Liz, graduating soon, what, two, three weeks from now? I think two weeks from this Friday. And where where are you headed? Where did you match? I'm going to the University of Washington for an internal medicine residency. Fantastic. I think that was your top pick. Am I allowed to ask you that? Yeah, okay. you can ask me it now, okay. and especially right. because it was my top pick. Okay. I'm totally okay with All that. Right. Good, good. All right. So, Liz, you're walking out the door. I've mm-hmm. known you for your entire four years here. Let's look back. <laughs> let's let's talk about this experience. As you think about your time here, what, what comes to mind? Um. It's an interesting, it's interesting to look back because I think in some ways it feels like it flew by, but at any given year, there were definitely times that felt like they were very long, like, um, and interesting to think about it sort of in two halves, I would say the first two years feel very removed from the second two years, um, and feel like everything sort of kept building on top of it, on, on top of each other, um, what I did during second year, there's no way I could have done during first year. And there's no way when I walked in the door, I would have been prepared to be on clerkships. Um, and now I've had a couple months of sort of low key rotations to forget many things that I have learned. Um, mm-hmm. And now sort of staring down the face of residency. I don't know. That was a... How's that feel to no residency starts in a few months? It's a little terrifying. Okay. I think I go through phases of excitement um, where you know, you're finally sort of going to get to be the decision maker, get to put in the orders, get to really be the, that person that walks into a patient's room and says, I'm your doctor today. Um, and then alternating with, you know, some terror of like, I don't know how to put in an order for a bowel regimen or for sort of simple things that or the a diabetic interns... sliding scale insulin. <laughs> yes. Luckily order sets exist for that. Yes. Um, but I think all interns talk about the realizing sort of the weight of you are actually in charge of patient care now. Um, but they also say that there are lots of people behind you taking care of that with you and mm-hmm. make sure that you don't you don't make any too big of mistakes. Do you feel the medical school has prepared you? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. I mean, I think uh, I probably would have been a better intern in January than I will be in June just because of the way our current system works. And, you, you know, I think... felt you kind of crescendoed at that moment? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I did my fourth year, the beginning of my fourth year, I had some really good meaty rotations that felt like I was acting at the level of an intern, knew what I was doing, um, and you know, have since done rotations that expect less of me or done some more outpatient rotations. So I'm probably not quite there, but I definitely remember back in fall thinking to myself like, yeah, I mean, I'm happy that I don't quite have that responsibility yet, but I don't think I'm so far off from it, Mm -hmm. which was comforting. That's good. That's good. Why internal medicine? I never asked you that before. How did you find yourself as an IM doc? Well, uh, I think I sort of thought about a couple different things, but ultimately it came down to the sort of pathology, the disease processes that those patients have, um, and the patients. So my favorite part of my entire medical school time was walking into patient rooms on a medicine rotation. They tend to be a little bit older, um, 
just, you know, adults in the hospital and that sort of getting to explain to them what was going on with their health that day, what we were going to do and how we were going to get them out of the hospital. Um, I just found that interaction very meaningful. And then the diseases that adults who are admitted in the hospital have, I think are complex. They make you think about a lot of different organ systems. Um, and I find that very compelling. I think every patient is a little bit different. Uh, for better or worse, most of our patients these days have diabetes, hypertension, um, and hypothyroidism, gout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's sort of a classic list of medications yeah. that most of them have, but um, but even with that, every patient and their social situation and how they how they walked into the door is a little bit different. Um, so for me, it was that. A lot of people will also talk about picking a specialty based on the your peers, like mm-hmm. finding the resonant pool that you um, that you mix with the best. Um, and that was hard for me. I'm a people person. So I actually liked most of the residents that I worked with in most of the specialties, but there certainly was a, um, likeness that you see yourself in some residents more than others. Mm. So that was, that was how I landed there. So it sounds like it was a series of events. It was not like one clarifying, you know, epiphanous aha moment. No, okay. no. And I actually, um, which I think you know, Dr. Tan, dual applied. So I p- applied into internal medicine and then also a, a combined program called MedPeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that decision process took me a little bit longer than than some people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think over the course of even first and second year, you sort of think about what your strengths are and what you mm-hmm. think you might go into. And then as you start doing third year clerkships, you... Um, you start having inklings, but I don't know. I'm again the type of person that really liked most of the most, most of what I did when I was on OBGYN. I was pretty convinced I was going to be an OBGYN, mm-hmm. um, but then didn't really didn't really like the OR quite enough to do that. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, as you look back, Liz, as you think about your your journey, would you have done anything different? Um. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm not. So I will say I've had conversations with friends in the past about regrets. And I'm sort of someone that like once I make a decision, I I'm pretty content with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some ways I I may have studied a little less during first year. I'm Good. scandalous to say mm-hmm. um, I worked pretty hard during my first and second year. And it put me in a really good position when I was matching for residency. And for that, I'm I'm pretty happy. Um, but I think I would try to tell my first and second year self to like take a few more deep breaths, yeah. try and get stressed out about step one a little bit less, still work hard. But, um, I definitely, uh, sort of felt at the end of third year, felt like I had been going pretty hard for three years. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, would maybe try and do that. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I did a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish. Maybe I would have done a little bit more research. I didn't do very much research. Um, cause I had, I came in with a lot of research experience mm-hmm. and so felt like it was worthwhile and interesting to spend my time doing other, other things mm-hmm. and had already, so to speak, checked that box for, for residency applications, like knew I had done enough. Yeah. Um, but think it could have been interesting to get involved in even some like educational research or, um, more sort of on the administrative side of mm-hmm. thinking about how we, how we teach medical students. Cause one thing that I remember about you, Liz, you're very, you were very involved. You know, student governments, student interest groups, all those types of things. I mean, would you recommend that to students starting out? I mean, do you do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So I'm, in part, that's why I would say I don't regret anything. Like okay. I sort of overextended my extracurricular self, but mm-hmm. I don't regret that at all. Um, I 
yeah, like you're saying, I, w- I was involved in a couple different interest groups during my first and second year. I was a second year class president and now I'm a student body president. Um, and all of those, I think, taught me something, gave me more of an insider's look into what goes on in medical school, what goes on in students' lives. Um, I think it gave me a greater empathy for my peers. And then when I was interviewing, I mean, I had a lot of different experiences to talk about that weren't just the day-to-day of going to school, the day-to-day of a clerkship. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it's necessary for people to be involved in 10 different things. If you find one thing that you're really passionate about, um, one of my really outstanding, talented classmates was the director of one of our free clinics. And I think that was sort of her primary activity and that's all she did. Um, but she did it for, you know, hours upon hours upon hours. I think as long as you have something meaningful that you want to talk about in an interview, um, that's great. And then I, I would also say it enriched my time as a medical student. I think I had a better time and got to know more of my classmates and in different capacities than just on rotations or in the classroom. Um, and for me, I found that very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Cause I think Liz, with your vantage point, with your experience, I think, you know, I think there's this inherent, cause like there's the Dean's office, there's a medical education team, there's all the faculty, there's the med students. And I think you have seen different perspectives of like, what it takes to educate a med student, get them ready for the boards and the match and all these type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any any pearls of wisdom, like kind of seeing these different perspectives? Um, I mean, I think uh, students should recognize that they are adult learners mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, the school will prepare them for most of the things most of the time, but there are certain... There are certain unteachable aspects. Um, I was just in a meeting the other day talking about sort of the future of medical education and, you know, are we going to make curriculum changes? And I was really advocating for something that I feel like uh, is hard to teach, but I can't tell you how many times I feel like I succeeded on a third-year clerkship because I just knew how to work with people. Mm-hmm. I knew how to be an agreeable team member. I made people's days better. I agree. You're very agreeable. <laughs> So what would you call that? What, did you give that a name? Um, I don't know. I said it like interpersonal. It's like interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you are someone that people want to come to work with every day, and I think this expands beyond medicine, but if you are someone that people want to work with, you are going to do better as a third-year student because people want to teach you. People want to want to help you learn. Um, and I think you do better in your first and second year too. But I think you know we uh, – we don't – that's – like I said, it's a really hard thing to teach. I think it's hard for the curriculum office to understand how to how to narrow in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's hard for students to think that they need to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of a self-awareness component. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think coming into medical school and acting as a student, recognizing that there are definitely things that you're going to have to teach yourself. And part of that is like getting to be an adult mm-hmm. and realizing that you're – um, you know, not in college anymore and that if there's material not covered in class, like that's okay and you need to be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then also having an open mind to when someone says, hey, like that interaction that we just had didn't go that well. Like you need to work on that because you're going into um, – I mean you're sort of going into a service industry so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. all of medicine, especially more and more, I think we're treating patients – um, like customers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and their satisfaction and happiness with us is going to shape our, um, compensation in the future for better or worse. So I think you need to, you need to recognize if people are telling you that you don't have those interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I like what you said, Liz. Like, there's to me, like the curriculum is like a living, breathing organism. It's always evolving, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's always and there's changes on the horizon. And you, I think you've heard some of the same discussions. You know, more online modules, flipped classrooms, um, changes in attendance policy, things like that. These are things that are I think all on the table because I think the med school is very determined uh, to teach the students the best way that they can. And it's hard because there's so many different students, so many different learning styles, so much material. And I would say learning styles are changing. Mm -hmm. I think even, you know, I took, um, I took four years off, uh, for all intents and purposes between college and when I started school. Um, so I'm a little bit older than my average classmate, but I think would be even older in some of the incoming classes now. But I feel like my learning style differs pretty significantly from some of the learning styles of the younger classes, like just the proportion of people that would be interested in going to lecture every day and getting something out of that experience, uh, I think is shifting. So it's, it's keeping up with all of the material and new learning styles, but also just keeping up with sort of generational changes and trying to, trying to see how the next generation Mm -hmm. of learners are going to learn best. Um, yeah, so it's hard. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, when talking with other students on the interview trail, it's interesting because like no one is that happy with how they're getting taught. <laughs> we should make that a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think inherent in people's opinions is everyone recognizes the downsides. Everyone sees the f- things they're frustrated about. Mm-hmm. They don't see all of the positives. So you talk to students um, at Michigan or you talk to students from these West coast schools that I interviewed with and they're like, Oh yeah. I mean, but like here are my complaints. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I don't know, it's nice to be a fourth year and have a little bit of a low key schedule. And it's nice to be someone that has mm-hmm. a positive outlook. Um, so I'm inherently more positive than, than some, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, that's why I bring on the podcast, your positivity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the future. There's like, uh, like when you go out, when you go went out and interviewed, like what were common questions that you got as a University of Utah student? I mean, was there kind of a theme that you would notice when you would go around to different programs interviewed? Or, um, well, a lot of people wanted to know why being from Utah I was interested in going to blank. Yes, yeah. um, and I think it's interesting because Utah is like in its own little inner mountain. Mm-hmm. We're in the pot. middle. Yeah. Um, so people in the Midwest often will just interview in the Midwest. So I think like. of their applicants, maybe not that high, will be just from that area. So it, like, makes sense to them. Um, So I think that was an interesting, interesting thing. I got to talk a lot of geography with my fellow applicants, people who were like, I don't know which is farther west, Colorado or Utah. I was a little shocked, but then I was like, and "These people are going to be doctors." I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I could put all of those small little northeastern states in the right. Okay. Map. All right. So I was like, "Touche." Okay. Um, but I got that, and then I think from the actual interviewers, um, I got a lot of questions about sort of asking me about meaningful experiences I had, mm-hmm. whether it was with a patient or with students. I think. People are interested in seeing how you grow, how you've grown as, as a person and what your self-reflection is. Um, okay. All right. And then why did you pick Seattle? Why Seattle? So Why University of Washington? There, I'm going to give their official name. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. University of Washington. UW. Yeah, UW. I will say UW. Um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, I wanted – I was looking at a program that would be sort of an upper-tier academic medical – program, mm-hmm. um, their academic medical center, uh, that would 
you know, give me opportunities for fellowship if I want to do fellowship research with top-notch researchers um, and just, you know, be a be a great place, but also a place that I felt super comfortable. Um, and I grew up in Utah, but spent a good deal of time out in the Bay Area. So mm-hmm. I knew I was going to be interested in staying in the West. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there just aren't that many academic medical centers in the West. Um, there are, you know, more in California, but other than California, you've got like Arizona and um, New Mexico, Colorado, mm-hmm. Utah, and then like OHSU in Portland and UW. Mm-hmm. Um, so the numbers of like West Coast programs that I was looking at was small. And Seattle was a city that I had spent a good deal of time in growing up. I would spend about one week every day, one week every summer there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had family friends and sort of had this like love affair with Seattle. Mm-hmm. You uh, like the rain, you I like I coffee. Don't, I don't know when you go in the summer, it's always sunny. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I do love love a good cup of coffee. Right. Um, Again, there's these stereotypical images of Seattle <laughs> in my mind. So, so I think for a lot of reasons, Seattle felt like it was a city that I wanted to live in at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents had lived there when I was. When they were about my age, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. my mom did her PhD there, and then they yeah. lived there for about ten years. Is that where in they their twenties. No, they met at Rice down in Houston okay. in college. All right. um, so yeah, it, it fit like a lot of different molds. It was like a great program, very respected mm. on the West Coast. It was in a city that I wanted to live in, and then mostly when I went and interviewed there, I just fell in love with the program. Yeah, well, like what the, about the program attracted you specifically? I mean, so the it's a big program, but part of that is because they rotate through three different hospitals, which we do at Utah, which mm-hmm. I really like. So mm-hmm. they have an academic hospital, they have a county hospital, which we don't really have in Salt Lake, even though I would say the U's hospital. The U's kind of the, the county hospital. Yeah, here, yeah. and then um, and then a VA. So mm-hmm. it was really important for me to be at a VA. I think it's an excellent training. Um, training experience yeah. yeah for people so they had three hospitals it was a big program um and the people just felt like my people they were in my opinion down to earth interested in having a life outside of medicine mm-hmm. they were outdoorsy that's like a hard thing to find when you're coming from salt lake city or people that can quite match the outdoor enthusiasm yeah. mm-hmm. um so they're outdoorsy they you know they like talked about going to breweries on weekends and doing like bike camping so they had sort of the right set of extracurricular feel. And then the um, faculty I interviewed with were also wonderful. The program director was someone who really spoke about the people beyond the, his residence. He wanted to know their significant others, um, you know, sort of who was in their lives and, and cared about them as people. Um, and then the um, I interviewed with a hospitalist who sort of her way of thinking about teaching and educating residents, I think, really spoke to me. And then... More importantly, they have individual tracks and pathways. A lot of medicine programs, because they're so big, have the opportunity to give mm. you more focused learning in a specific area. Like cardiology or like education? or Education. Okay. So okay. a lot of them have like, research, like a primary education. care track or okay. a research track. Um, I'm trying to think of some more. Some of them have like a leadership like track. Like a rural or a, track sometimes. Yeah, yeah. or okay. like a quality improvement, right? So okay. then you walk out with having done extra QI. Yeah. yeah. Right. So stuff like that. So. UW actually had one of the most um, impressive clinical education pathways that I had sort of encountered Mm -hmm. on my interview trail um, that talked about, you know, yes, if you want to go work at an academic medical center, we want you to be able to do research, but we also want you to walk away with a teaching portfolio. Mm -hmm. And really, we want to teach you how to be a great teacher. Um, 
which since I see myself potentially – That was my next question. Like, where, I mean I really hope you teach one day. I mean where do you see yourself? Um, so still definitely considering like a pulmonary slash critical care fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, but without a doubt see myself in an academic medical center hopefully teaching medical students. You Oh, this is what you get asked a lot on interview trails. They're like – What's your ideal job in five years? What's your ideal job in 10 years? And I definitely (laughs) told a number of them that in some ways my ideal job would be like teaching a third year medicine clerkship. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would love that getting to sort of be excited about medicine and try and um, drive the teaching. Some of my favorite people that I've interacted with at medical school are these clerkship directors Mm -hmm. who are really like excited about making third years learn about their field. Um, So the idea, the appeal of this really strong clinical education pathway that I could apply for and hopefully get in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope you come back here one day and teach, Liz, but I can totally see you somewhere in the – I see you have a West Coast kind of person. Yeah. So I hope I hope wherever you end up, you, you are a teacher because I think that's uh, one of your core strengths. So. Oh, thanks, Dr. Chan. Yeah, I think it's interesting leaving. It was – it's harder to leave than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I came back here from the Bay Area and – I think from day one sort of thought like must go back to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Like that is the motherland. We'll be back there. <laughs> Those are my people. Yeah, <laughs> that's where my people my are. My tribe, yes. Um, since since then, many of them have left because the Bay Area is prohibitively expensive. Yes. Um, but now sort of talk with a lot of my classmates about I think a lot of us will end up back in Utah and intend to practice here. Mm-hmm. There's a huge number of my classmates that are staying here for residency far more than have in years past. Um, and I think that speaks to the education we feel like we got and the people that we feel like we got to interact with while we were here. But I would not be surprised if in eight-ish years I was um, – I'll hold you to that, eight-ish. <laughs> looking, looking for um, a faculty yeah. position here. Mm-hmm. Dr. Samuelson has already tentatively offered me a fellowship spot if oh, I awesome. want to come back. Awesome. Not that he has that to offer. <laughs> Well, Liz, it's been a joy having you in the school, and uh, you know I wish you the very best. And I think Seattle is very fortunate to get you, and so I look. I think I think you're going to have a great time, and I think that's it's just this, it's to me it's a magical moment. Like when I think about residency, it's really hard. It's very different because you're kind of an employee, mm-hmm. um, and the hours are worse than it was in med school. That's I remember that very clearly. The responsibility is higher, the stress level is higher. But yeah, you are making decisions, you're putting in orders, you're doing these procedures, and you know, and people are calling you doctor for the first time, and and um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful journey to where you're going, um, and yeah, I just wish you the very best. Thanks, Doctor Chan. Right. Any any final thoughts? Any final comments, Liz? Let me uh, give you the last word. Um, I have a month and a half to get used to hearing Doctor Shackman. Doctor Shackman, but we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> if I'm vacationing in Seattle and I start having chest pain, or heaven forbid, I fall down a flight of stairs, give me a call. I hope when I wake up, or like the, hot, the ambulance takes me to your hospital, and I see you standing above me. So I would feel very much reassured. Let's right. aim to do that at least three months into my residency and not in not July. In first, not in the first week. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, great, Liz. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.